I'm Alex Shaw. I'm Sharon Shaw. And, and welcome, welcome to, to School of Movies. Warning, do not attempt any of the stunts you're about to see. Also, this episode gets quite graphic. Not for the squeamish. This is a different kind of episode since we are dealing with non-fiction for a change. There is talk of various bodily fluids, though we do attempt to minimize the grossness. Light description of injury animals being cruel to people, sad discussion about the untimely death of one of the cast when ironically not doing something death-defying and stupid, it might be a little too much for some. However, I put it to the vote on Patreon and 93% urged me to yes, release this on the main feed. I trust them, they trust me, and you have been suitably warned. There is no shame in skipping this one. Might in fact be a great time to go hunting for our two additional podcast feeds that most people don't even know about. The School of Movies Archive and the School of Everything Else Archive, which is everything we recorded before 2017. Hundreds of shows on all manner of movies, video games and TV. So whatever you're going to listen to today, enjoy. We are going to talk about Jackass. Specifically the films 1 through 4. The main section of this podcast was recorded several years ago, in early 2020, around about the time the fourth film was being made, and that was an after-school club on our Patreon. But in the final section, we get to talk, in brand new context, about Jackass Forever, aka we're all too old for this shit. This is a tough one, because... <laughs> there's no narrative to speak of and it's really difficult to talk about what goes on without getting personal about the stunt performance in it because the whole show is them mm. effectively it's a reality tv show yeah uh, they're they're playing heightened versions of themselves playing up for the camera but effectively what we are getting is a measure of truth mm. Jackass, for those of you young enough to uh, not have been of age in the very early 2000s, was a prank and stunt show, one of many prank and stunt shows uh, around that era, when cameras were readily available and uh, kids were very happy to do silly things on those cameras. But prior to the real explosion of them also being able to upload that stuff to YouTube yeah. and share it with the world at large. It was YouTube prior to YouTube because it was just there. It was just waiting for YouTube to give them an outlet. And MTV saw the shit happening. They must have been releasing... We are not going to go into deep into the history of the show. But MTV must have seen that and gone, right, this costs us nothing. We can pay them a pittance. And they did. And uh, we effectively get a lot of focus and a lot of attention on our music channel uh, for showing this reality stuff. Yeah, This was in the era when everything was tilting towards reality. It's Or a perceived heightened reality <laughs> being captured on t tape. Yeah, it, I mean I would put it somewhere in between your old prank call shows like the Jerky Boys and things like that. Oh, the Jerky was that... I don't know whether the Jerky Boys was a TV show or just that they released albums of their stuff. 
But specifically the fact that they were calling members yeah. of the public and that was where the, the humour lay. And Beatles and, about in England. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was I was thinking of that a little bit as well. Um, and the the prevalence now for YouTube shows where people film themselves doing lots of things and seek validation and approval for that. And it was adjacent to things like Ashton Kutcher's Punked. Punked, yeah. And, and Tom Green's Rise and Fall, yeah. where he just did stupid things wandering into shops and trashing the place, which yeah. they do occasionally in Jackass. But the, the intersection with this is that it is not exclusively them doing things to set up members of the public. For the vast majority of the time, it is each other yeah. that they are pranking. It's difficult to explain this to people who've never seen it before, but imagine a bunch of skateboarders all of whom seem a little bit too old for skateboarding by the time you get to the movie. Mm. Um, by the way, if you can skateboard and you're in your 30s, well done. What we meet is a bunch of compulsive risk takers who like to do explosive things on camera and then fall about laughing. There was actually a British version of this called Dirty Sanchez is a Foul Sex Act, don't look it up. Three Welshmen and one Englishman harming themselves and each other through dangerous stunts which ran from 2003 till 2007. This was bought by MTV after they began as skateboarders. So it's it's the same thing. That it was MTV attempting to get a UK version of Jackass. No, it's not happening. Right? <laughs> it's not fucking end off. No. Come on. Don't give a fuck if you've got a flux capacitor in that fucking car. I'm not going in there, right? <laughs> but with Jackass, there is... You get your stunts that, you know, kind of, like, go nowhere, or you get your bits that are awkward in shops or, uh, that they try to sort of get the public to react and the public barely react to, and you get a whole lot of stuff that just kind of doesn't hit, much like Monty Python's Flying Circus, if you ever go back and watch the original Monty Python. However, like Monty Python, there's also quite a lot, especially in the movies, that's really fucking good. It's really funny or requires a measure of skill and physical maybe not physical genius but certainly physical aptitude yeah there's a lot of physical intelligence in these guys the the ability to get their bodies to do roughly what they want them to <laughs> um, sometimes the bit they miss is the physics of whether or not this is going to work but generally speaking mm. they can they are able to perform feats of athleticism that the general human population could not. And I suppose more specifically, they're able to fail at those feats yeah, and time and up. time again, Absolutely. crash down yeah. and get back up again laughing while mm. their friends around them laugh. And very occasionally when things go wrong, their friends will flock to them to make sure they're okay. It happens once or twice in the movies mm. where someone goes down and they're like, don't move him, don't touch him. Okay, come on, move him. And, and, and there's a sense that they realise things have suddenly got very real. Yeah, they seem to have their methods of coping when something could have gone horribly wrong. <laughs> but there's also that that getting back up again when things have gone wrong. When you get knocked down, you got to get back up. It, it does amuse me how often they use iterations on the same theme, like the, the, the strapping rocket propellants to anything. <laughs> No matter Skates, how many skateboards, times, shopping, shopping carts, carts, bikes, uh, yeah, wheelchairs, just all sorts. And no matter how many times it doesn't quite 
pull off the way they expect or want it to, they will come back and try it again with something yeah. else. And a lot of the time, especially early on, they're just delighted with the results, even if it gets completely fucked up. Yeah. Nearer to the end, especially like the second movie, moving through to the third you get more complaints and you get more kind of, oh, this sucks, man. Yeah, they are verging on, I'm too old for this shit. (laughs) Because effectively their bodies are getting tired. Mm. Their brains are getting tired. They've taken so many knocks. It is starting to hurt. And the joke is starting to wear thin. Also, they're starting to earn more money Mm. and they don't have to do this so much anymore. I would also say to a degree the impact of... For a lot of them, maybe not all, um, but the impact of self-medication with alcohol and various other substances yeah. are starting to show. Bingo. This was originally centred around uh, a, uh, a skate group called CKY, which is Camp Kill Yourself. Splendid! Which centred around Bam Margera. Why am I not surprised? Indeed. And... Uh, <laughs> There's a whole bunch of people connected to BAM. But the show, the show originally centered around Johnny Knoxville, who went on to a couple of other Hollywood films because he was the hot shit. Even though he's not fantastic as an actor, Mm. he's still a great screen presence. He is. And he he has got a lot more in terms of dramatic performance in him than I would say the rest of them do. Yeah. He's got that spark, Mm. that little... Well, there's... When I first saw him cackling, wearing the sunglasses in the thrift store leather jacket, I just thought, right, so that's not just a laugh. There is a chaotic wildness about that, a Loki-like mischief. That's Tyler Durden. He's laughing, there's boys flocking around him, he's got the charisma, and he can take a punch and laugh about it. Mm. And, you know, I just, you know, that bit where Tyler insists that Lou beat the shit out of him yeah. and laughs in his face at it. I was like, well, that's Tyler Durden. But the more you watch Knoxville, the more it's just like, no, 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 he's just a rodeo clown who is kind of addicted to this stuff, and it's funny to him, but he's not peddling any kind of ethos. He's not doing any dangerous Tyler Durden um, cult brewing. No, he, he's certainly not... There's, there's no sense of malice in him. Of all of them, he seems to be the dad of the group, and he's certainly one of the ones with the most heart. He's also one the, the, the very charismatic entertainer, mm. uh, ringleader type. So yeah. he can sort of stand in the middle and go, I'm Johnny Knoxville, look at a jackass! And you're like, oh, okay, so he's running the show. Mm. And it's directed each time by Jeff Tremaine, who is a weirdly sobering influence if you look at him behind the camera. He's kind of very like, okay, so we're going to do this and this. It seems like Johnny and Jeff and then the rest of them all sort of like writing or indeed drawing skits that they're going to do yeah. is kind of a hotbed of creativity. And sometimes, again, you're going to get a lot more sort of stuff which they cut out of the films than stuff that ends up in the films. Yeah, I, I kind of got the impression, and I could be off base with this, but that Johnny and Jeff have kind of the parental relationship in terms of being in charge of the group. Johnny comes up with a lot of the ideas and is the kind of public face of it jeff is the one whose job it is to make sure no one dies in the process yeah uh there's one i don't usually go in for pranking the public because just watching them sort of go huh and then be on camera nonplussed is not comedy gold for me there is one great throwaway line in the first movie where johnny dresses up as an old man named irving and starts shoplifting shamelessly and as he's thrown out, 
He yells back, I was Lon Chaney's lover, and the shopkeeper, without missing a beat, goes, go back and love him then. It's just a great little back and forth exchange mm. uh, that sort of smacked of um, uh, both absurdity and a sense of authenticity. Yeah. But uh, there, we also watched Bad Grandpa, not to be confused with Dirty Grandpa, the Robert De Niro film, which is horrendous. Hated that film. But we watched Bad Grandpa uh, last night, which is technically the fourth and final question mark jackass film where it's just down to Knoxville, mm-hmm. just dressed as Irving, just pranking the public. And again, a lot of the stuff in, in that film doesn't really hit. Mm-hmm. But I was gut laughing repeatedly. There were times when I was like, this is actually straight up unethical to do this with a small child pretending to be his grandson, swearing and making members of the public feel like this child is effectively being emotionally at least abused. Mm. But then there are other times where you get an incredibly authentic sort of straight man beat to the camera from the members of the public and it's like, this is straight up hilarious that they're reacting in this way and in this kind of did you just hear it because I feel like I'm going insane that kind of gym look to camera yeah yeah okay are you sure you want to do this you need a blanket look I we can't ship a human I'll take well one. you can if you didn't know this happened I can't ship you you're 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 living should we call the police so- on him oh no no police and I was also wondering when I watched the the Night Pandas in the first film. Uh, they, they, the films were released in 2002, which was immediately after the three-season TV show. Side note, by the way, seasons two and three of Jackass were when MTV was stepping in with notes and you can't do this, you can't do right. this, you've got a sense of this, you're not allowed to do that on camera. That and that started pissing off Knoxville. Yeah, that may be why they shifted to film then, because yeah. they'd have more control over it. CKY walked during the uh, third season with just unceremoniously, so there was never a finale to that. So effectively, the TV show deflated like a wet cake. But in the first film, one of the skits is The Night Pandas, where they dress as pandas, go to Japan, it plays uh, Turning Japanese by the Vapors, which is a kind of racist song, and they run around the place, jumping into shops, smashing things up, running in and out of bars, um, skateboarding, pushing each other over, and just generally being a nuisance. And I was thinking, why is this different from Logan Paul's Suicide Forest? In case you uh, missed this uh, um, skit, folks, Logan Paul went to a forest famous for suicides in Japan, found a body, filmed it, and poked it with a stick, which was horrendously disrespectful. And I have no solid answer, but I think it comes down to the way the Night Pandas finishes after all of the Japanese people are flabbergasted at their horrendous behavior and are too polite to step in. They end up running into a bunch of people uh, doing what appears to be Tai Chi or something in the street uh, who kind of embrace their, you know, panda costumes, take their hats and sort of start getting Wee Man, Jason Wee Man Akuna, a uh, a short actor, up on their shoulders and sort of jumping him around. And it it felt much more kind of like getting the public in on the gag Mm -hmm. rather than just being horrendously disrespectful and that's the joke. Yeah, I mean, ultimately that behaviour is if you remove the panda costumes and the cameras, that's just drunk teenagers on a Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. But then being pandas adds an element of... uh, 
chaotic specificity, if mm. such an oxymoron could exist. There's a bit in the trailer for Suicide Squad where someone's uh, running around with a panda costume on, firing off a machine gun, which looks very much like something that would be in Saints Row. It's that level of just specific crazy, which a lot of people find very appealing. Mm. There's also moments where the film becomes very serious before an accident happens. Like usually when, whenever there's riot gear involved, mm. uh, Johnny has to take or decides to take a rubber bag to the tummy uh, in the first film and just watching it uh, play out with this extremely professional police officer. Because sometimes when they get in specialists, it's like, oh, okay, so this is semi-legit. They're asking someone who knows their but shit about this. they can't dick around when they're in that yeah. situation because this is somebody... They can't just buy a rubber bag who, launcher and fire at each other. It, you know, this is somebody whose job is dependent on them making sure that safety procedures are followed mm. and by God, they're not going to let them get away with playing around with them. But, you know, while he's testing it out and it fires at this incredible deafening cannon fire and uh, just the velocity of this you know small bag designed to disable but not kill though it can kill you if it hits you in the heart johnny is not happy he's just sort of looking at it and shaking his head and going uh a bit enough more than he can chew this is a man who will stand in front of bulls laughing Mm. get hit by them and then antagonize them some more this is a guy who professionally gets hurt for a living but the certainty of mm. this particular injury I, was I think just, gonna say, just I made him stop and think it, what appeals to him about doing this is the chaos yeah when you're up against something that is specifically designed to do a specific thing and it's gonna do that thing yeah that's not the same a bull is not designed to kill you. Yes, if you stand in front of it, it's probably gonna happen yeah but it's not designed to kill a you. skateboard rail sorry a stairway banister is not designed to throw you to the ground mm. but if you skateboard it you can create this absolutely yeah. it's emergent stuntery yeah yeah but it removes all of his sense of control mm. over the chaos that's in front of him you always get footage when you film with bulls people are like Oh, you wear the color red around them, and then the bulls don't give a shit about the color red. They only care about movement. And if something moves, they try to kill it. Thank goodness. Second film came out in 2006, four years after the first one, which seems like a long time in showbiz. Especially if they've not had series in between to keep themselves yeah. limber. Third film came out in 2010, four years afterwards. Fourth film, Bad Grandpa, came out in 2013, and that's probably the end of it. But in the second film, the step up from the riot bag, which created a massive purple bruise on his belly, uh, is to be shot with an exploding claymore full of tiny little rubber balls. Him and I think it's uh, Ryan Dunn and Bam Margera. Mm. It explodes with this... Uh, this as deafening as the single bag is, this mine going off is like the end of the world. And it does what it's supposed to do. They put them outside embassies to prevent riots from getting through the gates. Uh, it completely disables everyone. And again, there's this sense of trepidation before it happens. And then that, that was terrible afterwards. And weirdly, the analogue of that in the third film is they tried to play golf in a squash court... And the ball immediately rebounds and goes underneath the trash can that Johnny put on his head, 
hitting him in the neck, which leaves him on the ground laughing in a sort of a weak <laughs> way. Like he's been really hurt and he's like coughing. But it kind of went oddly to plan in that that was chaos. Chaos, yeah. I think one of your favourites of the squad is Chris Pontius, a.k.a. Party Boy, mm. who begins the first film effectively just embarrassing members of the public by uh, putting on his Party Boy song and then stripping, which leaves them un, you know, unsure of what to do while he's dancing around in his underpants. Yeah. I think, generally speaking, my, uh, my preference for his skits is that they are usually not physically harmful yeah um, <laughs> except occasionally to himself <laughs> he seems to be remarkably au fait with genital mutilation I don't know that I'd go so far as mutilation he stretches it a lot he does stretch it wave it around a bit yeah um, and gives it to snakes to bite the the bit there is a triple whammy at the beginning of the second film which is first off they're chased by the uh, bulls, it's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona, and they uh, end up like running through this, what appears to be the kind of town that they would set off nuclear warheads near in the 50s to see what it would do to the average American town, like a fake town. Uh, almost calling into question the reality of their reality TV. I'm not sure that that was the intention, but it does. Uh, so that, set to the ecstasy of gold by um, Ennio Morricone, it's, it's a masterful, like, group stunt to get you all geared up for the second film. Followed immediately by The Mouse and the Snake, where Chris Pontius dresses his knob up as a little mouse puppet, and Johnny dangles it marionette-style in front of a very pissed-off-looking snake. Mm. One assumes non-venomous. And Pontius is performatively nervous, but also laughing at it as well, as opposed to no, 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 no. Whereas Bam Margera is terrified of snakes and can't take that. So Pontius allows the snake to bite him on the todger and then pulls it out of this glory hole, laughing all the while. But there's this moment, this long built up moment of tension before the snake bites when everyone's going, oh my God, and the snake's looking really angry. And then when it strikes, the whole room goes, oh! And it's this release at the beginning of the movie, and you are so on board with this whole crowd. All right, boys and girls, it's time for a puppet show. Once upon a time, there was a hungry serpent and a lonely field mouse who needed a friend. Hello, Mr. Serpent. My name is Mr. Mousy. I want to be your friend. Yeah, just make sure my whole wiener's out. I want to look good. How about if I tickle him on the tail? Hey, over here. I'm just sitting over here. That's not nice. That's not the way we play back home. That was not nice. Dude. Oh, you like Here we go. Give me a little kissy. Followed then by the having the Jackass crew one by one read a note pinned to the wall from ostensibly from groupies, concealing behind it an air-powered boxing glove that smashes them in the face, 
creating, again, cacophonous laughter from everybody. This, this unifying moment of playing a prank on each other as opposed to members of the public, mm. it's a winner. It's just, it just gets you totally on side with all of them. Mm. We, man, dude, some girl wants to rock your world, dude. You gotta read this. These fans put up these, <laughs> this open, dude, stand on this, read it out loud for the camera. This is perfect behind the scenes, dude. <laughs> Hi, Jackass guys. I heard you were staying at this hotel. My name is Stephanie, and me and my friends love me. Some of you actually hooked up with my sister four years ago. I don't care about that. Me and my friends... There's a lot in the second film, which is my favourite of the three, of, uh, although the third one looks fan-bloody-tastic because it was built for HD and uh, they, you know, use much better cameras and it looks fantastic on Blu-ray. First and second one, especially the first one, look ratty. But the second one has a lot of... They one person goes in expecting it to be one prank and it turns out to be a prank on them and then everyone falls about laughing. I love that. Those are usually my favourites, yeah. But the what I really like about watching the movies as well is that you, you kind of get a feel for their individual personalities and what each one of them will where their line is well to, where their line is. And and it's it's really Interesting, and I'm using this in its correct sense here. It's incredibly engaging, especially if you're interested in sort of how people think and what makes them tick. In what? an anthropological sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like We're watching wild animals. That, that example that you gave, the fact that, that Pontius has absolutely zero problem with snakes, yet Margera's terrified of them. Mm. Absolutely terrified And of their them. prank involves... It's, there's two. They go way over the line. Because in the, sec- the, the second one, they drop him into a uh, truck and then chuck a cobra in there to mm. freak him out. Yeah. And the third one, they drop him into a whole pit of rubber snakes and then throw real ones into it. And it's like, mm. we've already established that when that happens, he turns into a little boy and all of that, like, being cocksure and, and, and this, you know, little demonic force of chaos that Bam is and just he can melts away. He can be really horrible to some of them. Yeah. Um, he's, he's one of the, there's two or three of them that can get nasty. Mm. And he can. And, he's got a mean streak to But him. at the yeah. same time, to see them pushing what clearly leaves him it's a phobia. pretty traumatised it just, it feels uncalled for. I don't think we really get to explore the depths of anyone else's phobia in the whole thing. It seems like uh, Preston Lacey has a, a fear of heights. Yeah. And he is, yeah. like, Preston Lacey is a big, big guy. Yeah. And he is occasionally asked to stand on top of a very high thing with Wee Man, usually, mm. Jason Acuna, and fall off it. And you can see his little hand shaking because he's he like, this is just too so much. so nervous. Um, but again, seeing how he will do the things that are asked of him, he's really quiet and he comes across as a very shy person. Mm. But the things that he does, he obviously gets a lot of positive feedback from the responses he gets from everybody else, whether it succeeds or fails. And that suggests that that's at least in part why he is 
is willing to do the things that he does. You've got some of them that are totally up for anything that involves pain, but you put them in something that's a little bit squeamish and they completely fall apart. There are others who are the complete reverse. Mm. They don't put them in somewhere where they're going to get hurt. And of course, for that reason, that's the one, the things that they keep getting asked to do. Mm. Um, but they're quite happy to do things that are so ridiculously disgusting, I don't even want to describe them. Yeah. Uh, Chris Pontius, for example, uh, he never nails down his sexuality, but he seems to be very sexually fluid. Mm. Speaking of sexual fluids, there's a point... Uh. Okay, trigger warning, folks. Uh, There's a point where they uh, wank off a horse, and uh, that was originally the skit. Like, it's just, you know, wank off a horse for effectively the what a a veterinarian would have to do for artificial insemination. Kind of the same thing as what happened in um, Freddy Got Finger when he's like, Daddy, are you proud of me? And he's wanking off a horse. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, It creates a baby bottle full of horse jizz, which Party Boy is not particularly phased by, and they dare him to drink it, and he knocks it back after saying, you know, this gets me an out for something later, and is then immediately repulsed. We can only assume that this was a very strong, tangy blend, and... Everyone else around him is absolutely horrified. Considering the bone-breaking shit almost all of these people put themselves through, Mm. it's kind of astonishing that he does something which, medically speaking, shouldn't harm him, but everyone else is just, this is too much. And he immediately throws up. And then As do several of the others. As disgusting as this is, it's worth it. There's so many moments where it's... Like, the whole skit's horrible, but then it's worth it for the things they say at the end. Mm. Pontius wanders off muttering, I'm ashamed of myself, I really am. Which is brilliant. And and then there's things like, um, for the life of me at the moment, I cannot remember what the thing that Steve-O won't do is, but there is something that he draws the line on. Oh, uh, it's putting the car up his butt. That's it. He says, and yet, yeah, no, man, yeah, I'll do everything else, man, but, you know, I got my father watches this show. This I got to talk to him about it. This is a guy who skateboarded through a wall of fluorescent tubes and cut his leg to shit. To shreds, you say? He has nearly killed himself on multiple occasions, and yet that's the thing that he's like, no, no, no way. Mm. It just, I, again, there is absolutely no measure of judgment in what any of them will or won't do. I just find it fascinating that it is so variable. The only one of the jackass guys that I really actively dislike, and I want to say I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I haven't seen any evidence of it throughout all the films and all the the behind-the-scenes stuff, is a man named Dave England, who seems to be kind of stuck in that toddler phase of being obsessed with his own poop Mm. like most of his gigs seem to be pooping somewhere he shouldn't like he goes into a toilet store and shits in one of the dry toilets Mm. and then just embarrasses the shopkeeper he poops into a doll's house uh he disguises his ass as a mountain and then explodes diarrhea everywhere it's fucking gut churning Mm. and that's the gig like he will poop he will poop on command that's his gift and that he will he, he eats horse poop at one point. Mm. And I just there's nothing else to him, really. Mm. And the other thing is that whenever he hurts himself or gets caught by by surprise, he just sort of staggers around complaining. Mm. Like he doesn't really laugh all that much. He just poops and complains. Yeah. Which makes him kind of the opposite of everyone else. So your team would be better with him not there. I think Jeff Tremaine said at one point that when they've got a, a bit that 
they kind of go down the line to see who'll do it. Like they've just randomly come up with an idea mm. rather than it being somebody specifically saying, I want to do this, which yeah. is how a lot of them come about. And they're often the best and the funniest ones. But when they have, somebody has a random idea and they're going around to see who who's willing to do it. If nobody else will do it, it usually ends up falling on Dave and he will do it, which kind of suggests that his position in the pecking order is down the bottom. You mentioned, which might yeah. be why he complains quite as much as he does. You mentioned the pecking order. There is a definite hierarchy to the group mm. with say Knoxville at the very tippity top where he'll do all the bull stuff and like everyone defers to him and he's more in charge than the others are and then I suppose underneath that you've got kind of like Bam Bam had CKY so he had his own crew Absolutely. already uh, also Bam Margera and Ryan Dunn very much come as a pair yeah so I suppose Ryan would be maybe the next one down because Bam's the one who's, who, who like mm. So, so the next level will be Ryan, maybe Steve-O, and maybe Pontius mm. all together there. Yeah. And then under that, you've got kind of a, a, a four-man team of uh, Chris Pontius, Jason Acuna, Dave England, and uh, Aaron McGeehy, who, uh, Danger Aaron, who seems to specialize in, like, skateboarding things mm. and little motorbike things and shopping cart things and basically just flinging himself through like his name's Danger Aaron he, he th- flings himself face first into stunts and has knocked out tooth, tooth after tooth mm. seemingly yeah. as a result he seems to have uh, an affinity for the more physical throw yourself off things kind of stunts but not the physical intelligence that the others have to be able to do it without really causing himself too much damage mm. or at least putting some kind of grace into it yeah um, He's just kind of the guy that you load into a cannon and fire out of it. Yeah, He's ballast. Absolutely. Preston Lacey and Jason Acuna, again, come very much as a pair. They mm. often work together a lot. And a lot of the, the appeal in some of them is seeing the relationships that they have with mm. one or two of the others, how they interact with each other, and again, how they support each other when things go badly or when they need some extra laughter or pats on the back to kind of push them through whatever it is they don't want to do. I particularly like Jason Acuna because he's got this kind of, yeah, man, I'll do anything, man, but not in that Steve-O sense of just losing all identity in favour of of just smashing through into things. He's not nasty. He's got this kind of (laughs) sense of humour, like he'll hide inside a a cooler with a, a giant water gun full of his own pee, and then spray people, but mainly he's more mischievous. Mm. And him being of short stature makes him, I suppose, like, he never seems to really, like, have to sing for his supper. Like, I guess I'm small, so I'll get noticed more if I do this. It seems like he's a stuntman who happens to be small. Mm. And while they do talk about Preston's weight a lot, and... They do give uh, uh, Wee Man quite a lot of things that he only he can do because of his size. Mm. They never seem to really be mean. They're never like, Preston, you need to be ashamed of yourself for being so fat. Absolutely. It's always just like, we need a fat guy for this stunt and Preston, you're the guy. Yeah, a lot of it seems to kind of fall under the heading of where do people's individual talents lie? Yeah. Like, Bam needs to do this one because it requires manipulation of a skateboard that only he can do. Steve-O needs to do this one because you've got to have a pain threshold that nobody else has. I feel like Steve-O's Preston... also knocked all of his teeth out because his yeah. front teeth <laughs> are very white so and straight. Perfect. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, we need Preston 
Preston to do this one because he's big. We need Wee Man to do this one because he's small. It, it all just seems to fall under that category. We need Aaron to do this Who one fits? because we don't need charisma, but we do need ballast. Well, <laughs> yeah, to a point. And again, this is what kind of makes me feel like... We need like Dave to do this one. We just need poop. We, well, again, this is why I think maybe Dave sometimes feels like he doesn't fit a little bit because if, if he doesn't have any particular thing that people will go to him first for, mm. if it is just the fact that he ends up with all the residuals that nobody else wants to do, how do you He's the drip build your identity around yeah. that? So like when he was hanging onto the fire hose and it's just sort of spraying him around all over the place, he's like, he's hanging on vertically mm. for dear life and then inevitably falls on the floor and busts his ass and then just wanders off complaining and crying about the fact that it hurts so much. Mm. Whereas so many of the others who are accustomed to taking hard knocks would lie on the floor cackling about it like Knoxville or Steve-O. Yeah, but that may be because he's ended up with a lot of these relatively unwillingly. Yeah. He's not yeah. chosen to do it. He does do one that makes me laugh, which is the mousetrap one. I don't know why I find that one amusing. You know where they put Aaron McGeehy. Oh, is that Aaron? That's Aaron. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, Sorry, Ar- I was Aaron, going. no. So Dave's done nothing that you like. <laughs> Would it be enough? Yeah, Aaron rolls across an entire room made of mousetraps, but that one's slightly undone mm-hmm. by another adjacent skit that shouldn't have been in the film, where he approaches a puma that is really upset and pissed off, mm-hmm. dressed as a mouse, and the puma smacks him in the face, rightfully, and it's like, that puma was not in on this gag. Yeah. There are few... Very few ones that feel like they are being uh, exploitative of animals. Mm, yeah. Although, weirdly enough, and again, this is, this is probably to do with some kind of strange human interpretation. When they do things involving mammals, that's when I get uncomfortable. Reptiles, that's fine. <laughs> so the, the tiny alligator that bites Johnny Knoxville's nipple, yep. that's fine. The snapping turtle that they attach to Steve-O's ass. <laughs> Does they also try that on Pontius's it, dick? Uh, no, 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 it's his nose. Oh, nose, and sorry. And his nose starts bleeding. Profusely. Forgive me for thinking Pontius would put his dick in a snapping turtle's mouth. <laughs> he totally would do that. They're all blurring into one. <laughs> okay, but speaking of reptiles, uh, Bam Margera's parents, April and Phil, who he kind of made into bona fide uh, reality TV stars, are the... Uh, victims of prank after prank after prank. Like, he'll mess with their home. And April's kind of a homemaker, so she's really pissed off when they burn her carpet. And I was saying earlier today, because we were re-watching bits of uh, of the second film, when Bam has his ass branded with a tiny little dick uh, in a a way that... It ain't that tiny. It it jiggles about... (laughs) Um, but it's 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 the, the way it's drawn to scale is quite as Phil said like this tiny little thing like if it had been an oppressive long shaft it would have been a good brand to have on your ass but instead because he jiggles about because uh, he's in pain because it's a red hot fucking brand he ends up with a holographic dick on his ass um, April just sort of shrieks at him like you had the cutest butt what are you doing this for she's the voice of reason. But in this case, rather than the voice of reason being steady and calm, the voice of reason in Jackass is shrieking. (laughs) Because it's usually after the fact or just before the fact. Well, I gave him a present. What present? He loved it. Why? It still hurts. Why? What am I looking at? He gave me a dick (gasps) farm on my ass. What is that? What is that? It's supposed to be a dick, but 
he did it six times, so now I have a dick form on my Is head. Is that permanent? Yes, look. What is that, a tattoo? It's a brand. A hot iron for cows. Ben, that is so infected. That does not look good. Oh my God, he's going to have that for life. You're going to have that for life. No shit. If you had one on there, you should have made it bigger and more realistic. That puny thing's embarrassing. Ape, I got a muffed up ass butt. I know, and you had the cutest butt ever, and now you ruined it. No, Dick Farm Dunn ruined it. Yeah, why'd you ruin it? I tried to do it good, and he jumped around. I was scared of burning my own friend. Why would you burn him in the first place, Dunn? Because it was funny. It's not funny. April's reactions, however, some of the absolute best moments in Jackass come from those. They lock... Well, they put an alligator in her house, creating just a very simple skit where she's screaming to find out if the alligator in her kitchen is real or not. Because, because they might when have just you put have a that rub- son, that's a question you have to ask. He might just have put a fake rubber alligator, but when it starts going, <sighs> she reacts in an incredibly like uh, a panicky but amusing way, like running around on little feet, like you know, uh, looking at it and staring around the place with this aghast expression, this mm. this uh, like, is this actually happening? Moment. And again, this is tied uh, with the fact that April doesn't like to swear, and she finally does at this point, which, since they can't have her swearing on MTV, oh, you can do all the rest of the stuff, but as long as no one uses any naughty words. Um, but that, that thing she does about asking if it's real, she does that same thing later when they confront her with somebody in a gorilla suit. It's Pontius. So yeah, so she's clearly got the mindset of, I need to find out if this is legitimate before I respond. I'm being pranked all the time. Yeah. There was an uncomfortable one where they dress up uh, Preston Lacey as Phil Margera and sneak him into bed with April, mm. which is just edging yeah. onto the kind of assaulty That's side. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't like that one yeah. much. No, not not not. That one's, it's it seems like she doesn't know Preston enough for that to be okay. Mm. Like she's still kind of like she sees the funny side of it, but it's like. That's that. That's genuinely bewildering for her. It's somehow worse than setting off fireworks in their room, where it's just like, no, that's fireworks. I'll just hide my head under the fucking covers. That was it's four in the morning. Dangerous though. There's a few that miss her head by inches. Yes, yeah, true. So that was more dangerous. But it feels like the, uh, putting Preston in there is uh, maybe more risky 
uh, in, in, in a psychological sense. Something of a violation. Yes. So you got psychologically risky versus physically risky. Also, April didn't opt into this. The only thing April did was give birth to Bam, and then he became the thing that he is. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. And then there is, of course, the uh, um, guy we've uh, barely mentioned, Ryan Dunn, who was actually my favourite. And he passed away. In 2011, aged 34 years old, there was something about Ryan that was kind of this, I'm Ryan Dunn and I'm a fucking idiot. He's just got this long-suffering thing going with him. Like, he's... God damn, this is the BMX tug of war. I'm surrounded by cacti. For fuck's sake. It's cacti! Whatever it is, it hurts! He, as you said, he and Bam, clearly very, very good friends, but he's not just going to take everything Bam hit, hit, hits him with. He's, they, they fight a lot. Um, and there's a kind of a sweetness between them, and clearly, when he died, that hit Bam like a fucking cannonball. In fact, Bam's probably actually been hit by cannonballs that didn't that hurt, hurt anywhere near as much as this, and didn't throw his life into upheaval. There is a tragedy in this, in that Bam Margera, in later years, more recently, had serious problems with substance abuse, and... His relationship with his parents has kind of been very, very tentative. And uh, he's not okay. And Ryan Dunn died not doing jackass things. It seems it's astonishing watching all of these, not even death-defying feats, death-goading feats Mm -hmm. that they uh, have performed uh, throughout this. The amount of things that Dunn did that could possibly have killed him and didn't and then he just dies off camera doing something else. Just veered off the road in his Porsche, just like Paul Walker and Randy Savage. And that kind of casts a pull over the whole Jackass dynasty. It was an inevitability, though. We can't expect all of these guys to just carry on living and just ret- that they would all retire and live to the age of 90 or, or beyond. Like there's a, as I said, um, on our Once Upon a Time in Hollywood episode, there's a skit at the end of the first movie where they're all wearing old man uh, outfits and makeup and Dunn's one of them and he will never be this old man. But it was nice to believe for a while that that might happen. And you end up weirdly attached to these guys. Not all of them, Dave England, but some of them you start to really like. And like I said, Dunn I like the most because his the way he reckons on the things that he's asked to do. When he was ass-kicked by a girl, there was no fragile male ego of, you know, I, I, I would never let a girl beat me up normally, but this girl happens to be a kickboxer, so I guess I can uh, go down with dignity here. He's He just sort of enters into it knowing he's mm-hmm. going to get the living shit kicked out of him by this exceptionally powerful woman. Oh, oh you're in so much trouble. <laughs> and still champion, not for now for there. His bloody mouthpiece. Oh my god, my jaw is like two inches to the left. I, I seriously felt alright for a little bit until she punched me in the nose. I knew she was fine dirty. 
he's got this sort of weariness about him and then but he's not complaining exactly it's just this kind of the things i do for uh, jackass yeah it's it's actually quite intriguing to see where if anywhere their activities might fall on any kind of sort of toxic masculinity scale and for the vast majority of it that doesn't seem to factor in at all there is no sense of i feel like i have something to prove very few of them seem to get particularly um defensive about anything um it's very that i can't remember really many times at all when or any that i could name where someone's like i'm not gay i'm not gay mm. oh god no there's none of that yeah they never seem to treat women in a derogatory fashion it's like it's not so much ahead of its time but for its era it was remarkably non backward. They seem to avoid women for the most part. Yes, mostly because I, I imagine most women would look at the shit they're doing and go, why? <laughs> How old are you and get away from me? Yeah, because they are effectively just little boys egging each other on to doing stupid shit. Mm. The first film cost $5 million and it made $79 million. So we are talking profits. My God. God. The second film cost $12 million and made 85 mm. So it cost more and it made scaling... It's fractionally less. Fractionally less. But they upped the ante on a lot of their stunts. Mm. And the third one cost $20 million. And it made $171 million. So there is a huge jump there. Again, it doesn't exactly scale, but for making the film look as good as it does, mm. it attracted a lot of people who wanted to see it in 3D. Yeah. And they don't really mention the fact that it just looks so much more colourful and sharp and mm. better. And that opening sequence where they're just being exploded and firing paintballs in slow motion to the sounds of Twisted Sister, the kids are back, is kind of... Poetry? Yeah, a little bit. It, it's exactly what they are. The kids are back. The kids are I also find myself wondering if the increased budget was to do with a combination of improved tech and, and insurance. insurance. <laughs> I would imagine so. Uh, but like I said, that third one especially has a lot of I'm too old for this shit moments. Uh, one of them where uh, Chris Pontius, who's happy to get his dick bitten by a snake, apparently, uh, had to fight scorpions with his chin dressed as a knight. Mm. And a scorpion grabs hold of his lip with its claws and just starts stinging his face with its stinger. And he's just like, no, 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 no. And they're like, what's wrong? He's like, what the fuck do you think is wrong? It's stinging me in the face. It's done. It's over. And that's almost like the day Jackass died. Because if Party Boy is not happy, what then? The third one also has uh, the donkey moment where um, Danger Aaron has to try to pin the tail on a very pissed off donkey and it kicks him hard in the thigh. And he's just like walking towards this thing with a blindfold on, on shivering, terrified he's going to get hurt. Again, unlike Knoxville, he doesn't like the chaos. Mm. He seems to like the control of being able to just drive on a motorbike or drive on a cart or be on a rocket or a skateboard or something which allows him to aim himself. But him being blindfolded and not knowing when or where the donkey's going to kick him, yeah. it just seems like he hit his limit there. Uh, and Knoxville does the Invisible Man where he gets painted uh, against a wall to make him appear to us as uh, an invisible man. Like he's he's got that... Um, uh, Gautier paint on. <laughs> Remember Gautier? He released that one track. Now he's just somebody that we used to know. 
I saw that on a tweet. Yeah, a bull immediately, like, sort of walks around to his left, sees him standing out from the uh, background and going, I can fucking see you, dude. <laughs> and runs in from that side and start, uh, and then kicks him in the head as he goes down. And that was all, like, that's, that's Knoxville sort of laughing in a <laughs> way. But he ends up, I think, I don't know if it's that one or, no, it's when he fights Butterbean in the first one where he has to have stitches. Yeah. And, it, you know, seems to be concussed where. Again, once Knoxville is just delirious, it's kind of getting to that point where maybe we've gone too far. Yeah, I don't even want to think about what the concussion rate on these guys is going to be. And honestly, that one with the bull, I think it's less the issue that the bull kicks him in the head. And when he goes up, he lands very awkwardly on his neck. Yeah. Yeah, jackass number two, everyone, they were on their worst behavior. This is the butt chug. I'm Johnny Knoxville, and I'm going to the moon! Oh, yes, the rocket. Yeah, we hired a part-time rocket scientist and built one of those Acme rockets like you would see in, uh, you know, the Roadrunner cartoons. There was eight to 12 metal, foot-long metal rods, metal rockets, encapsulated into the cartoon-looking device which we built. And upon ignition, it exploded, and all eight... Uh, of those foot-long metal rods took off in every direction. One blew out a hole in the rocket right next to my ribs, about that big. One went 300 yards back and went between Cassock and Scott Manning's ears, and it would have decapitated them. That'd have been picture wrap. Hello, I'm Johnny Knoxville, and I'm about to backflip this bike. We were filming uh, Matt Hoffman's tribute to Evil Knievel. I wasn't meant to do a stunt for that. I got to Oklahoma, and everyone was having so much fun, and I decided, well, I want to have some fun, too, and decided to try and backflip a motorcycle, but I can't ride a motorcycle that well. Sometimes when people are explaining how to do something to me before a stunt, I'm not listening because I just want to do the stunt. Whatever you do, do not ditch the bike right away. Because if you go like this and ditch the bike, then yeah, it goes yeah. 40 feet in the air and lands on you. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was right. <laughs> I tried it three or four times. Each time, it seems like I was less committed. And on the fourth time, I come off the end of the ramp, let go of the bike. It launches 20-something feet in the air. And I fall back down on my back, and my knees are behind my ears. Like when I fall, I'm like, ah, oh. and, and right at that time, the motorcycle comes down and breaks its handlebars off of my crotch. Uh, and that was a lot of impact, but I felt like I was, I stood up and I felt like I was peeing myself. But every time my uh, heart would beat, blood would shoot out the end of my penis. And I walked over to the medic on set and I said, is this all right? And he said, son, we have to get you to the hospital right now because, you know, you may be bleeding internally. Why couldn't I got a broken arm or leg or, like, broken top? No, I got blood shooting out my pee-pee. I injured the only body part that means anything to me. Yeah, that was a, that was a weird injury. Uh, and then there's also the Lamborghini tooth pull where, uh, again, Aaron oh. McGee, has a piece of cord tied around a tooth that he gets promised will be uh, able to be fitted back in again. They attach the other end to a new Lamborghini and drive it off down a runway, yanking it out horrendously. And that's a moment where it's just like, he's just sort of, "Ah, ah, ah," completely understandably, that's a nightmare. 
Although he's also the guy like in Jackass three point five, which is uh, like the deleted stuff that didn't make the final film. He also does a thing which, to me, is my nightmare. He lies on a rusty bed of nails in India, big ass nails that he can't even really lower himself down on. He's really not having it. He's not happy, just trying to get himself. Because how do you lie on a bed of nails? <laughs> And then they put baskets with cobras on his belly while he freaks out and panics. And it's like, right, the sudden desperate compulsion to get away from the thing you're doing and also the inability to do that because the slightest movement will disturb the cobras, that, that is two locomotives crashing head-on into each other and it would break my brain. Mm, yeah. Most people's, I think. Yeah. And I think you could probably point to the musical finale of uh, Jackass 2 as the final, as the the highest point before the slow descent. Uh, And it was obviously several years before uh, Dunn passed away. But they're singing The Best of Times Is Now. And it's this full Busby Berkeley coordinated musical moment. Mm. And obviously things do go wrong in the actual stunts, as we see later in the... uh, They're not even bloopers. They're just, this is the shit that where things did not go so great. Mm. Uh, But, you know, like Knoxville does the Buster Keaton thing where a whole wall falls on him and he's supposed to stand exactly in place. And he backs away in seeming fear and not trusting that he's standing in the right spot and gets crushed by that. But, like, this is crystallizing the last moment when they were just... Not quite too old for this shit. Mm. But then immediately following that and the intro sequence for three, after that it's all slowly downhill. There's some wonderful moments in three, especially some very visually stunning moments. They fire a big floppy dildo out of a cannon in slow motion. And it's beautiful Mm. in its graceful arcing movements. Yeah, They've they've got this slow-mo camera and they've worked out that they can film anything and then play it in this almost frame-by-frame slow-mo. And it looks so unreal and Mm. hilarious. But this third film was, uh, you know, landed when YouTube was already really fully established. So effectively what we're seeing here is these old warhorse stuntmen, Mm. the guys who effectively were doing YouTube before YouTube was YouTube, in this final Pyrrhic victory lap where they, you know, got a fantastic camera and did some amazing things and then called it a day. And you wonder why I drink? I drink to steady my nerves. I was so steady I couldn't move last week. But I had vodka and prune juice. It's called a pile driver. I'll be okay. As a trilogy to watch, these films really serve themselves well if you have them in your collection and then when you're feeling down, take one of them out and watch it for a laugh. It sounds simple, but like... Obviously, watching all three together, you're going to get kind of exhausted. There is no narrative. Mm. 
And each individual film doesn't necessarily hold the Rosetta Stone of Jackass, if that makes sense. Yeah. Each of them has their high points and their low points, and everyone will have their favourite. Like I said, I think two just happens to hit that sweet spot for me, only just, because I really also love... I love three and one as well. I think one looks kind of shitty by today's standards. Mm. And there are a a few more things that happen in one that just kind of go nowhere and take ages. Yeah, if there's a narrative to it at all, and it's certainly not one that they ever intended, it's in watching... Johnny Knoxville age out and Bam Margera fall apart. Kind of, yeah. Because he starts off like in that first film, in the shopping cart intro sequence when they're racing down the uh, hill, he's got long hair, he's wearing aviator shades, he looks like Jim Morrison, he's handsome as fuck, and it looks like he's got his whole life together and he's at the top. And by the end, he goes, he's got this weird kind of way of speaking, like kind of James Gum. Mm-hmm. And it's like he's taken too many hits in the head and he's gotten cheesed off with all of these pranks on him. And he's taken his parents about as far as they'll go. And you can watch him with this growing sense of foreboding that his best friend is going to be taken from him. Mm-hmm. And it, it is quite possible to feel annoyance and disapproval and pity for Bam Margera and a modicum of sad affection yeah and honestly probably a little bit of appreciation for the fact that unlike a lot of guys whose brains probably work the same way his does he hasn't turned into an internet destructive yeah an incel cult leader yeah all as far as we can tell, of none his... of these guys have ended up like horribly right-wing. No, most of their destructive behaviour seems to be... Self-destructive. ...very turned on themselves, yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, nobody talks about this anymore. I've not seen Jackass mentioned on Twitter in memory. Mm. It was just there, and then it wasn't. The best of times is now. Yeah. It's very in-the-moment kind of thing. And the first two films haven't even been released on Blu-ray. The first season of the TV show, uh, they released two and three, the ones that were compromised by MTV's interference, but the first one was not released for years. There was a box set of, like, red and blue, and for that third slot, they put the movie. And it's like, when's that first... Like, here's seasons two and three, as is tradition. Where's one? Mm. And then one took ages to come out, and eventually it's this white box, and it's... I don't know what, most likely firework-related things. For some reason, they had extra warnings for the UK version of the first film because we can't be trusted with fireworks, whereas American kids are definitely not getting all kinds of fucking M80s from Tijuana and cherry bombs and shit. There is a measure of responsibility on every single one of these dudes. I give... I confer this responsibility on writers. Usually, it's heavier for writers because they're thinking and there's never any evidence that the jackass boys are thinking (laughs) 
they are effectively circus performers. There is is impulse, there is action, and if they're lucky, someone turns the camera on in between the two. And MTV really are the ones who have to uh, shoulder the uh, responsibility. Mm -hmm. And they did, hence all of those notes about you can't do this, which weirdly filters this unbridled id explosion. Mm. Because that's what it is. It's effectively a bunch of guys allowing their ids to go crazy. And somehow the results are not ugly as fuck. I think possibly one of the reasons why the films shine is that they did so much material that they could afford to pick out yeah. the very best reactions and the very best outcomes. Like a Christopher Guest film, where yeah. they, they shoot twice as much as they actually yeah. need and just yeah. whittle it down. And find it in the edit. Yeah. Which helps if you don't have a narrative or anything to stick to. It just comes down to balancing it. Mm. Yeah. Which leads me to believe that Jeff Tremaine either has or is an astounding editor. Yeah. But just like Beavis and Butthead, there's a uh, case of... And this was an MTV thing as well. Like, what they're doing is very imitatable. And dumb kids, Mm. dumb boys in particular often want to have that measure of fun and have that heightened experience, even if it's dangerous. Mm, yeah. It's worth noting, by the way, that at the moment, YouTube is having to completely separate its kids' uh, material mm. onto another channel. They're having to create a completely separate channel so that they can keep stuff that's aimed at children totally away from the more adult-orientated stuff because they are getting fined out the wazoo for putting... I I don't know whether it's specifically because of, like, mature content. It's sexual stuff, whether it's to do with things that are violent, what, but there are some question marks over whether or not they're allowed to be able to continue monetizing the kid-angled stuff. Yeah. I'd say take... For a start... There's no point monetizing kid-angled stuff. There's no point advertising to kids. Mm. Well, this is the thing. If you do, that's insidious anyway. Yeah, well, that's what the part but of the But babies, using... you can't even respond no. to that shit. Absolutely. That's just gaming the algorithm because you know you're going to get ad revenues if you just give babies their Shrek yeah. that they want. You're programming them with stuff that they may rem- remember later, mm. which is highly unethical. Mm. But then the question is going to be, will anybody bother making kid-directed content if they can't monetize it at all. Yeah, Stampy the Cat, actual good stuff. Anyway, that's a whole nother kettle of fish. Mm. Point is, if Jackass was doing what Jackass is doing right now, to their credit, they show enough consequences, medical and just really do. immediate aftermath. Mm. So it's like if someone's skate stunt goes wrong and they're lying on the floor going, Ah! <laughs> it's enough to make boys watching it go and eh, not doing that <laughs> like if it was all just like awesome skate stunts with never showing you the fuck ups mm. then that's more, more imitatable da- yeah. more dangerous Absolutely. because it gives a false impression of how this was achieved mm. so technically most hollywood movies indeed number one it's not getting in there Number two, even if it does, it's not standing there. Definitely no sitting down happening. Number three, there's no way they're going to believe that this is true. So you're saying it's... I'm saying there's nothing I want more than for this to happen. But... You didn't want it to happen that much. No, I really do. This is our original talent for this piece, by the way. Yep. 
one of the I first the, things I think I've ever seen you duck out on. Oh man, I'm so glad I turned this idea down. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> you said that you didn't want to do it because your dad would disown you? Well, I mean, it wasn't that. You I drank mean, wine off of a dude's ass crack. <laughs> my dad never saw that. I never told him that. <laughs> you know? I was going to do this, and I was like, Dad, I was like, Dad, we're going hard these days, and there's some ideas floating around. I just mentioned the, the car in the butt. My dad, like, the only time in my life I ever heard my dad, like, you know, it's like when your parents say, I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed, you know? Like, that hurts so much more. Fucking <laughs> yeah. But no, there, there's plenty in Jackass that you would watch as a rational human being and think, what the fuck do you mean imitatable? I'm not getting my cock bitten by a snake. <laughs> oh, found your line, have we? we yeah. <laughs> That's my line. Well, technically, anything to do with snakes is my line. Like the, like I said, the, the bed of nails and the snakes on my chest, that's my line. Mm -hmm. But sticking my knob in a glory hole to get bitten, as it's dressed as a mouse, to get bitten. <laughs> There's one other one that he does where he dresses... This was before the snake. They dressed it as a mouse and they put it in to a tabby cat. <laughs> Phrasing. They don't put it into a tabby cat. They put it into Schrodinger's box. And the cat, the, the mouse was covered in catnip. They were hoping that he would, it would go meow and start gnawing on his John Thomas. And the opposite happened. The cat started going, oh, God, yes, and rubbing itself up against him. And they were once again skirting that line where Pontius was trying not to get aroused by this cat. And it's like, this is becoming bestiality. Pull out, man! <laughs> I guess you could say that the snake trick was unsolicited BDSM with a snake, but it's not like he's Mr. Hands, though he did nosh off a horse. Oh, God. That was funny, though. Yes, that was funny. What's your line? Anything to do with pain? Any of the skateboarding stuff? Uh, oh, God. Well, I, I don't have the physical capability to do any of the skateboarding stuff. I can't stand on a skateboard without it going sideways. Mm. Um, Fireworks in the ass. I'm Rocket skates. See, this is, you say, what's my line? I wouldn't be anywhere near this. Yeah. I, I asked Lyra. My line is April Margera standing in her kitchen shrieking at an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> I asked Lyra to see how impressionable she was. Uh, would you? Uh, which is the thing you'd want to do most of these? And she went, none of it. <laughs> By the way, we did skip over the really terrible ones. Oh, absolutely. But you see, this is the thing. I suspect this is possibly where part of their market is dropping out, the idea of things being easily imitatable. Mm. These days, kids are pretty damn canny, and it's going to be like, no, really not. Well, no, their market's not dropping out. They just got too old. They just got, like, who can get hit by a rhinoceros? For Because you've got to keep stepping it up from yeah. bulls. You've got to keep one-upping yourself. Eventually, you're going to like peter out which is why knoxville in the fourth one is on his own dressed as an old man dangling these great big rubbery balls at a strip club yeah so maybe the question then is what's funnier seeing one man do gradually increasingly dangerous things or watching 20 men do the same comparatively less dangerous thing over and over again because that's what youtube is i don't think it's all YouTube is. No, no, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> of course it's not all YouTube is. But there is a repetitiveness to it. Mm. 
Yes. Which obviously is part of the appeal, which because I am now old, I don't understand. It's also really neat to see that like they get in guests. Sometimes it's like it, it's th- there's no reason to get Luke Wilson or the Three Six Mafia or Henry. Well, actually, the, the Henry Rollins while Steve-O gets a bad tattoo done whilst in a Humvee barreling over sand dunes that makes it all shaky and terrible. Henry Rollins' re- reaction while he's driving them, well, we're going to get you fucked up, is quite hilarious. And they also like bringing in uh, Tony Hawk and uh, the skateboarding king and, and Matt Hoffman, the uh, BMX biking king. Like they've got all of these people who are really good at what they specifically do. So it's like n- nice to see them uh, being inclusive in that regard. Well, my guess is that they get their mates in. Yeah. These are people that they're probably friends with off off camera. Yeah. But again, the whole thing is like a time capsule of what was hot in 2000. And they stretch it all the way up to 2013, Mm. to breaking point. And then it broke. And then it broke. And there's been various discussions regarding whether we'll uh, come back. Uh, And um, I think Bam Margera said something like, you know, we're going to call the fourth one. We're not done yet. And which is, yeah, that's a beautiful, sad defiance in that wordplay someone else said uh, we're not going to do anything until bam gets himself cleaned up and then jason akuna said after that we're not going to do anymore frankly i think the thing i'd like to see is in 40 years time the remaining jackasses not doing anything stunty just doing a road trip Mm. just talking about what they used to do with little clips of of uh, uh the shit that they got up to when they were kids just reflecting on a, on this sad old no country for old men. This is what we're like now. It's it's uh, twenty fifty. Staring at what the kids are doing, <laughs> daring each other to go outside and stand under the naked sun. Yeah. So just thirty years from now, do that. Just call it Jack, <laughs> like Logan, but with jackass. Mm. There was also a spate when it was hot of British people calling it Jackass, which I found infuriating. It's not jack ass. Obviously. It refers to a jack ass. But then, one pandemic later. We'll meet again. Don't know where. Don't know when. But I know we'll meet again some sunny day. Hello, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to Jackass. Three, two, one. A lot of people ask, what will Jackass be like once we're older? Well, it'll get more mature. The faster you pedal your bike, the faster the other guy's hand goes back. You said it wasn't going to feel like anything. Concussions aren't great, but as long as you have them before you're 50, it's cool. And Knoxville's 49, so we're good. Can you feel my heart? (laughs) Wow. Today, we're going to do a little furniture shopping. 
I've been watching Jackass since I was 12 years old. And guess what? We're here. We have winners, and we have Steve-O. There ain't a bunch of NASA scientists right now. What did you guys do to Eric? Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. You still got those million dollar teeth, that's for sure. <laughs> Gee, didn't set myself up for failure on this one. Aaron, please relax. I'm trapped. And you're putting honey on me and salmon? Oh my god. No Jackass Forever. Now, full perspective, Jackass 3D was 2010, so this has been 12 years, although a lot of the filming was in 2019 and 2020. Yeah. They just couldn't release it, it for a long, a long time. It took a long time to get enough to put it all together, yeah. I think, because of everything that they had to work around. Took a long, painful week to film, many, many years to actually hit theatres and uh, home viewing. I was expecting, honestly, I was kind of dreading it a little bit because I thought that the way that the first three had gone... The first one was just sort of really scrappy and shot uh, on, on really poor quality uh, uh, digital video, and so it does not look great these days. Jackass 2 just hit exactly that right combination of elements. They were free and away from MTV. They were doing much more elaborate and expensive and, well, expensive, but uh, <laughs> they were doing more imaginative stunts and uh, pranks <laughs> with more setup and more uh, class. Maybe not class. Question mark. More uh, pizzazz. How about that? That's fair. And then three was the very natural, oh, we're getting too old for this shit. And it's almost like... They were too old then. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like if Ryan hadn't died, they might just have not come back and done this. But it's almost like the fact that they, that such a horrendous tragedy put such an immediate and... Uh, naturalistic reason to just stop. Mm. Like, just rather than deciding, you know, that was it, we had a great run, it was like a, a real shock. Yeah. Kind of the way that the Fast and Furious films have gone on. It's just that with these guys, they took a while, they wound back up to it, and they, apparently they, they did uh, two days of filming just to see if it felt right, and it it, it felt great within five minutes. So that energy that was there before is back but there's been substitutions because of uh the reaper and because of the repercussions of the reaper uh there's no ryan obviously there's also no bam as we already mentioned that he uh, has gotten himself into a really bad place and we would hope that he can get out of it mm. Um, and he did start filming with them. And then he could not remain sober and he could not uh, keep his behavior under wraps mm. and he could not control himself. And so he was ordered off the set and fired from production. And he tearfully begged his fans on Instagram not to see the film, to boycott it, which is a move of feeling betrayed and desperate. 
and it's sad. And that may be the last we ever see of Bam in that capacity. Again, we hope that he can find some way to clean the fuck up. I mean, Jason Mewes mm. of Kevin Smith fame went uh, into some really bad times. And Smith effectively said, you can't be in this film or or these movies that I'm doing until you clean up. Yeah. I think the, the key difference, though, would be that Muse's dissent, if you like, was mainly harmful to himself. Yeah. The fact that he was a mess meant he couldn't do the filming. Yeah. But he, he didn't do anything that I'm aware of that was directly uh, aggressive or harmful or, or upsetting to anybody else. Mm. Margera fell out with Jeff Tremaine, specifically. The director. Yeah. Hmm. So there's no uh, no Ryan, no Bam, but that also means no April and no Phil, which is sad because I they were some of the best parts of some of the uh, the first three, so I will miss yeah. them. Uh, but that, there's also no Rip Taylor, who died in 2019, the year they started filming. Uh, he was the person who signaled the end of each Jackass film, just sort of turned up, threw confetti everywhere, made some great gags, and then left. And unfortunately... He uh, was taken by the Reaper as well. Um, but there's new blood. Like They have accepted on some level that they are too old for this shit. And so they have uh, brought in, I think, three significant people that really feel like they're now on the team. Yeah. There were a whole bunch of other guest stars like they always have, but there were three new folks. Rachel Wolfson, who was actually an Instagram creator. I, I thought she was a stunt woman, possibly just because she reminds me a little bit of Maya. But uh, she comes in, she's funny as hell, and she is game for quite, like, some shit that I would never do. Like, uh, she licks a taser and gets scorpion Botox. We'll talk about that later, because that was your favourite bit. But yeah, she's great. Zach Holmes is the new kind of... Uh, because they don't want to endanger Preston's health, they need a really big guy who's also game to fall down a lot and get uh, hit in the face with a frying pan. And um, they, they, I think, honestly, he did less than Preston's done. And that's good, because I always worry about Preston. Mm. So just ease back on him. And unfortunately, it seems like the heat lamp turned on Aaron McGeehee instead... Danger Aaron gets it the worst in this film. And that makes me think maybe he got it the worst in most of the movies. He's he's game for anything and they take him up on that a lot. But they also go after him because at the end of almost every bit, he's a mess. Yes. <laughs> and funny. There's also a new guy called Poopies who's not very bright. He, he's, he's less interesting... He's less annoying and obnoxious than he could be, I suppose. Mm. I still prefer him to Dave England, who, Willow noted, does he still bitch all the time? And I went, yes, Dave <laughs> England still bitches all the time. Although, interestingly, when he's being interviewed, shortly before he gets showered in pig jizz, he does mention that the uh, fire hose rodeo, which he limped away from crying that he'd broken his ass, was his favourite of all the stunts. So maybe... Even though he cries and whines in the moment that he's not having any fun, he actually does look back on them with fondness. Maybe. I, I mean, there's got to be something that keeps them all coming back. Yeah. They all go through various skits that have clearly left them in an unpleasant state. Yeah. Uh, 
They filmed almost all of this during COVID. So there's a lot of masks uh, everywhere. They're, they're still having a whale. Like, they probably had the most fun of anyone who suffered through COVID. <laughs> So, I mean, it's, it's kind of uh, uh, liberating to watch them um, muck about the way they do. Mm. Although, interestingly, there's uh, one cameraman... What's his name again? Oh, Lance. He's Lance the, Bangs. Yeah, he's the second unit director. Mm. He has a very sensitive stomach and, and he can be prone to vomiting if he is disgusted enough. And unfortunately, on it at least... It take a lot. <laughs> it happened in previous films, but on at least two occasions in this, he starts to go down and... He's wearing the mask, and he's so safety conscious, he doesn't even take the mask off when he's going to hurl. So I appreciate Lance Bangs' professionalism in that regard, but Jesus, no one would expect that of anyone. I really don't think so, no. Like, like just back away to a safe distance of two metres, mm. take the mask off and throw up. Okay, uh, so next order of business, nut trauma. Oh, there's so much. Oh, there's so much. Specifically, Danger Aaron get, goes into a multi-tiered, let's test out this cricket box and see if the uh, athletic supporter and see if it can really take a pounding from a heavyweight boxer who just slams it from this world champion base softball bowler who does these incredibly accurate softball serves and he moves his leg to get him like to 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 deflect it from actually hitting the part of the him that is actually armored because like he's just like that. Yeah, spoiler, the cup does not work. Yeah, the cup doesn't work well <laughs> and it's inaccurate. And these are these are some of the most nerve-wracking of uh, stunts. He gets a fucking... Hockey puck. Hockey puck right in, in this cricket box. But at the end... Is it Aaron on the... It's, no, sorry, is it, is, it, is it Dave? On the pogo stick. Dave England on a pogo stick bounces... And because he slightly moves and the, the thing, the supporter goes to the side, it appears that a pogo stick rams down with a man on top of it, a steel pogo stick onto his testicles. And that was one of the bits that made Lance Bangs queasy. And I understand why. But I also worry about Aaron McGee and his poor nuts. The movie begins in a way that I actually think our friend Dan might be able to do this as a kaiju feature. Because the uh, opening sequence is Chris Pontius, who still looks amazing, by the way. I don't know what grail he's drinking out of. aged a frickin' day. Although I do know what he's drinking out of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he's, he's met Paul Rudd. Yeah, he dresses up his dong as uh, Dongzilla. And there's a, a, a surprisingly high-budget, upmarket, oh my god, the monster is coming to crush us all and then splatter us with its effluent. Um, and this giant green dong, dongzilla, just stomping down the street with his beanbag ball feet. We get, I think, a bit too much scrotum in this. Like, HD, potentially even 4K scrotum. You can see every fucking, like... Preston Lacey gets his his nuts tenderized with a boxing glove launchy thingy, like a poundy device. And uh, Steve-O wears a beard of bees on his balls. Like he hooks the queen underneath the thing and then these just, his todger is swarming with the little fuckers. He only gets one sting. 
Well, one of them stung him practically on the eye before he even started. Okay, two. He does mention that one of them stings his wang almost immediately. Oh, okay. But then most of the rest of it is just screaming. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I don't know. When the camera zoomed in, you could only see, like, one that was right in the middle. I feel like... Oh, yeah, no, you're right. He, th there is one stinger embedded in his ball bag. Yes. <sighs> but, yeah, no. Soon to be a purple sack of agony. So much of it is just screaming, and, 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 and so much of it must just be the psychological trauma of, oh, my God, there's bees all over my bits. Also, I do wonder whether the Guinness Book of Records hang around the Jackass boys, or, or whether they're like, oh, no, we want, we want nothing to do with you. Yeah, I didn't, it would have to be something very specific and measurable, and it doesn't feel like they could stand still long enough to measure anything. I, I don't know, I think the, the, the ball beard of bees, mm. the bee balls. Once again, in HD, which stands for hairy dick, the, I don't think the stingy was, scrote. I don't think that would be kid-friendly enough for the Guinness Book of Records. Really? Yeah. I mean, they could just sort of put a black bar over it. They are for children. Measure it with uh, uh, a little ruler. Mm. <laughs> uh, there's also Silence of the Lambs, which is a, uh, a neat bit. Like, I love all the psychological ones, which start out as one prank and turn into another. Mm. It feels mean because it's, wait a minute, these people were not prepared for this. But then again, they're hanging around with the jackass boys. What was the best you thought was going to happen? I have to admit, because I, I know that uh, they did have Bam Margera on set for a, a few bits. The nature of this one makes me think he was probably there. Really? Yeah. Even yeah. if even if there's no there's no footage of him being Oh, because there, it included a snake. It's snakes in the dark. Right. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, it was well edited uh, to it not include him. It was extremely well place. edited. It's all in pieces as well because they they start off with all of them in the room. Yeah, and then they are shown a rattlesnake, yes. which is put in a bucket, and they are sat on couches. And Johnny is supposed to take a biscuit off the head of this rattlesnake. Yeah. But then the lights all go out. Well, they all leave, and then they bring them back in like two or three at a time. Mm. That's the thing. The, the way it's edited, it does feel. Oh, like well, these I thought are it was all... like three different uh, I think think scenarios so. at once. No, I think it's right. it's all separate ones, and then they've added it all together. To on, make yeah, it. it's probably a bit too chaotic, and you can't get all that footage of everyone screeching at once. And plus the fact, if they had everybody swarming around, that room is full of couches and tables and cupboards mm. and all sorts of things. If they were all running around in there in the dark, somebody would get yeah. hurt. But they take the snake away, you'll be happy to yeah. know, Yeah, oh, folks. absolutely. There's yeah. no animal cruelty. But there's and a if, snake noise. In fact, on. there's a point later on with a spider where it's like, you may not hurt the spider, the spider, the spider may, may hurt, hurt you. you. <laughs> and and like, it will. We absolutely do not want to commit any kind of animal cruelty because the spider did not agree to this. Indeed. Ah, that fucking thing. It's not its fault that I hate tarantulas, but my God, that thing. It has the biggest teeth. Oh, my God. Anyway, so they take the snake out, throw the lights off, and then just wander around wearing night vision goggles, poking them with cattle prods as they screech and scream. And uh, uh, you capture them in that sort of uh, that grainy green uh, James Gum night vision goggle footage. Occasionally with... throwing rubber snakes at them to um, simulate the proper effect. Yeah, but I... I particularly like the, 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 the fact that they were doing one prank, they did another, and then they multi-layer it so that when they finally get to escape, they run out into a room full of pots and pans hanging from the ceiling onto slippery floors, and then mouse traps and thumbtacks. That's just a bit too much. But yeah, I mean, honestly, a lot of this movie is just a bit too much, and I think that's probably appropriate, because 
Jackass has always been just a bit too much. They managed to light a fart underwater with explosive results, something they've been trying to do for years. So it's like, this is their Don Quixote. Or Don Quixote, if you oh, will. Oh, very good. Very good. This seems to have taken them a lot less time than it took... Um, Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's important to note Jasper Dolphin is another one of the guys who seems like he might now be part of the main team. Mm. Uh, and uh, He they, keeps getting his dad involved. Yeah, he keeps getting his dad... <laughs> maybe that's like they, we need someone to get their parents involved. His dad, Dark Shark, uh, Compton Wilson... Uh, is uh, an ex-con and really hates spiders, so they're like, "Well, so we get a spider." Obviously, and uh, and just uh, it's a, like a, a, a goldfish bowl astronaut hat on Aaron's head and on Dark Shark's head, a tube in between that makes it look like a giant bong, and a giant tarantula put in the tube, and they have to blow it from either end to try and get it to scuttle into the goldfish bowl helmet of the other. Is a right palaver, and it just so much spider, so much fucking spider i remember shouting in the cinema and actually I, a, a guy turned around and looked at me and it's like you're supposed to shout during a jackass film it wasn't like me shouting get, get away, away it's, it's a, spider. a spider it was me going ah! and then there was the scorpion botox why was this your favorite okay so the bit that really ma- the, the whole concept is funny i think i i liked the setup they have rachel wolfson in a uh, cosmetics like a beautician's chair in front of and a garage so it's <laughs> yeah just a completely classy joint yeah um and then they have there's pontius and a couple of and jasper i think and a couple mm. of the others and they're all dressed up in like semi doctor's gear mm-hmm. and they open with this piece about how women are pressured to do increasingly unreasonable things to themselves in the name of beauty and there's this these high expectations that they're supposed to maintain and the uh, they are therefore going to demonstrate with Rachel's assistance scorpion botox wherein a scorpion will sting her lips. Now, notably, this is the one that Pontius went, nah, I'm not doing this. Yeah. In, in the third one, I think, he, is, he had dressed up his chin as a knight and was trying to fight a scorpion mm. with just his chin and it was it, it stung him and he was like, nope, 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 not doing this. Absolutely. So it's, it kind of... Basically, doing like... anything with a scorpion suddenly becomes, this is no fun anymore, yeah. really quickly. Absolutely. But it's... A, and because Pontius is the one who's administering the scorpion... He's passing the it, baton. Absolutely. Yeah, but they so they put the, the scorpions. So they're holding it up to her face, and they kind of they don't poke it, but they sort of guide the tail in the right direction. Ah. So sting her, and it stings her on the mouth, and then it stings her on the chin, and then it they jump. She squeaks. They jump. <laughs> And the scorpion falls onto her chest. Now, bear in mind, this woman's just had this scorpion right in front of her face, stinging her lips, like her mouth slightly open. It's it's just, it's all too horrible. And her response is, ah, I don't want it on my boob. I don't want it on my boob. <laughs> It's just, it just, it made me laugh. And then... But it stacks up. It, and then just goes to help. But he's like, he's standing there going, I can't get it off your boob without permission. And she's like, permission, permission. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just this this lovely little play (laughs) for the Mosmira. And I thought it was brilliant. It just made me laugh. I am going to need consent to get this deadly scorpion off your tits. Exactly. (laughs) And I 
just, I don't know why that smacked me as being particularly amusing. Yeah. Hollywood has long put tremendous pressure on women to look youthful and sexy. And sometimes the only way to do that is with a team of medical professionals and venomous insects. It's an arachnid. I'm Rachel, and this is Scorpion Botox. This is actually my first time performing this procedure, to be honest with you. Oh my god, that singer is huge. Right. Honey, I'm trusting you with my, my lips. You can trust me. I'm a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you want to just put them on my mouth and then fuck with them? Yeah. Oh. They're lips. Ooh! Mm -mm -mm. Mm -mm. Just relax and enjoy the procedure. Oh, he's on. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Ow! Oh, shit! Who died? I can't take him off your boob unless you give me permission. Permission? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm getting right. you consent. <laughs> 21st century, people. Yeah. All right, Tony, get stuck in the face. Whoa. Oh, my lip is so fucked up, you guys. I feel fucked up. But she looks great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I would hope that if there is a Jackass 5, that she uh, she and the rest come back. Even Poopies is relatively amusing. He tried to kiss a very deadly viper. Oh, my favorite line in the film is uh, when, uh, I think it was Johnny asks the snake handler, uh, the viper that he has to kiss, is it v venomous? And the guy goes, eh. <laughs> My guess is, yes it is, but they milked it beforehand so that it didn't have a lot left in its venom glands. Oh, uh, this one, I, like, I, I think I said this before about the one where Aaron is on his back on a, a bed of nails mm -hmm. and they balance a fucking cobra on his chest in India or somewhere. And I'm like, that's my nightmare. Because he can't easily get off the bed of nails mm -hmm. and he can't, like... The cobra wasn't supposed to bite him. That's the difficult thing. I don't know which of these I would hate more. I would hate them both. But ultimately with the cobra one, you just have to go zen and completely forget that you're there. And the cobra's on you and then they take it off you and then that's it and it's done. With this, he had to literally lock lips with this fucker and get his face into the snake's face. No. No. Those are the two that I would never, ever do. It's, I would do anything else but these. It's like the scene in uh, Kill Bill when Bud gets bitten by the black mamba. Yeah. I am not putting my face close to a snake. Where the snake is going, fuck no, mate. I would rather put my dick in the snake's nest. Like the beginning of Jackass 2. A tale of a hungry little mouse. Because the snake's chilled out in that circle. Well, because in that, like, if the snake bites my dick, it's my dick. It's quite far away from my eyes. That's fair. You know, I mean, it's going to be terrifying. I really don't want it to happen, but at least the snake is not getting to my face. Ugh. That is not nice. Also, Pontius's dick in that one was wearing a sock, so he did at least have a certain degree of protection. A sm it was still, I it mean... It was a very thin sock. But, I mean, he was still smiling when it came out of it. Poopies was not still smiling when he came out of that, this one. He was not. Oh, uh, and there was also what you referred to as a gorgeous vulture. Oh, it's beautiful. 
They uh, they tie. It's a, it's a similar iteration on a theme. It is. Um, they they do this brilliant setup again. I think the more elaborate the costumes and the setup, the more I'm likely to appreciate it. But they they dress up. A couple of them dress up in Day of the Dead skeleton outfits mm-hmm. and they dance around and then they put tie meat. wee man down on the ground and put meat in his shorts and <laughs> and bring out a hungry vulture bring out a vulture or a buzzard or something and it's just this, it's, I'm this so thing. sad Alice Cooper wasn't there to see it I he know. would have loved this shit it's, it's, there's a moment where it's, it's sat on uh, Dark Shark's arm mm. and it just spreads out its wings to keep its balance and I was just like my god that thing has more dignity than every <laughs> one of these people put together I've never heard anyone so praising and enamoured of a vulture so it's worth it just for that. It folks. was gorgeous. I like Birds of Prey. What can I say? <laughs> uh, there's two other bits I want to talk about. Uh, one is, uh, oh, three other bits. One is that Johnny bites off more than he can chew uh, regarding a bull this time. It came really close before when he painted himself and stood up against a board. He keeps doing it. He keeps going back for the rodeo. It's not a good idea, dude. I think this will be what claims his life. He, he takes a real fucking spin this time around yeah. and has to be taken away in a, on a stretcher in an ambulance. And I'm like, fuck, Johnny. Yeah. He's, it, the, Please the don't let is, that be the legacy of Jackass 5. No, the problem is his arm goes in the wrong direction. He is not able to break his mm. fall at all and he just lands on his shoulder and his neck. Yeah. Uh, there's also the hilarious moment when they they chain they chain up Aaron McGeehee uh, to a chair and uh, make him take a lie detector test, which they then start electrocuting him repeatedly with. Uh, but then they smear him in honey, drop a big old sack of salmon in his lap, and release a very friendly bear into the room. And it's a giant brown grizzly. And if you watch its behaviour, it's clearly a bear that's very used to humans, mm. enjoys getting treats, I think and it's... picks the salmon very neatly and daintily out of Aaron's oh, crotch, He's and then so starts lovely. like pulling his shorts aside with his giant bear claws and going, what else you got in there? I'm smelling more fish. <laughs> and he's like, please, the bear is going after my dick! And then the, the bear handler's like, i got to get in there. Yeah, It, it <laughs> is... Faintly possible the bear will eat his knob. Yes. Uh, I think it's a brown bear. I don't think it was big enough to be a grizzly. All right. It was grizzling. So. It was a bit. Yeah. But it was kind of it's a gentle bear. Very pretty bear. Yes. Sometimes I don't know if I'll make it. I have been trying to think of something profound to say about Jackass as we close out. You don't just come to School of Movies to be entertained. We're all learning and thinking in here, right? And Jackass would seem to be the opposite of that. A bunch of increasingly haggard and out of shape guys never learning from their mistakes, doing manifestly stupid things, pranking each other, and now, worst of all, their numbers diminished. They are encouraging new young people to do the same. This is real life self-destruction on the big screen. Alternatively, it's a group of friends who have been hurt over the years in so many ways, frequently self-inflicted, but always hoping to come out of it alive and laughing. They're testing themselves, and it is absolutely crucial to the entire dynamic of this that they do so together. Nobody rushed out to see that Johnny Knoxville plays Pranky Grandpa movie. 
The laughter doesn't mean anything unless their friends are watching. And these aren't some bozo TikTok pranksters taking unprofessional falls in grocery stores and spilling milk. They may have absolutely started out like that in the early 2000s, but it's been more than two decades since then. They have dedicated their lives to this form of peer-supported, explosive self-expression. They are rarely mean-spirited, never toxic, which is quite miraculous and commendable considering the era of comedy that this stems from. And they look out for each other. When someone is badly hurt, their compatriots are there to pick them up and hand them over to a specialist. As much as this sounds like sheer lunacy, I feel like we would all count ourselves lucky to have friends like these. Not to do this crazy shit. I feel like most of us would be in hospital within a day if we were lucky. They really are talented veteran stunt performers in their chosen field, and that has been hard-earned as we have witnessed. But I mean to have buddies there who ensured our lives were never dull, that laughter would ever be ringing in our ears, and that when we retire to our hotel room after a hard day of wearing a beard of bees on our John Thomases, a gorilla will be waiting for us. Jackass boys, we salute you. Please take care. Bam, please get well. And Ryan Dunn, rest in relief that you don't have to perform any of this absurdist nonsense anymore. And a very special thank you to our gaggle of supportive cronies on the Patreon. We hope to lend your lives even a fraction of this much fun. Special shout out to the top tier folks, Aaron Cluse, Abel Savard, Alejandro Vargas, Alex Brewington, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolf, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Jorn Clawson, Joe Gluck, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Marty Polmeyer, Matthew A. Siebert, Michael Hasco, Robbie Crow, Sarah Montgomery, Timu Hellas Hayo, Tim Wazensky, Timothy Green, Toby Skeels Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. And the other one, and this is so disgusting. If you like, this is like this is <clears throat> male uh, male bodily fluids related disgusting. So if you hate that, spin on by one minute. They get gallons and gallons of pig jizz to dump on Dave England during an interview when he's not in, uh, expecting it at all. So again, it's one of those we're doing one thing and then we, it turns out to be another. Rather like that, we're going to fill this limousine with bees and then put ball bearings outside so when you finally get out, you're going to slip over. Uh, but honestly, Dave England's a fucking useless shite most of the time, but he says the funniest line in the movie, I think, here, apart from possibly the eh, which was mainly down to the timing, um, and that is, as... He straightens up and finds out that it was, in fact, pig cum. Five gallons of it. He shouts out in protest, I'm a vegetarian, man. (laughs) (laughs) And on that cum shell...
Yikes. We are going to leave you and the Jackass Boys. We're going to leave on a high note before the next tragic fucking death makes this show feel terrible. So I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. And that that was was Jackass. If you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. When you get knocked down, you gotta get back up I ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer But I know enough to know If you're gonna be dumb, you gotta be tough I lit my brain with rock good whiskey Till my pain was chicken fried And I had dudes with badges frisk me Teach me how to swallow pride I took advice no fool would take I got some habits I can't shake I ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer But I know enough to know gonna be dumb you gotta be tough if you're gonna be dumb you gotta be tough when you get knocked down you gotta get back up that's the way it is in life I've been up and down and down and out I've been left and right and wrong Well I walk the walk and I've run my mouth Been on the shore and for too long If they ain't gave medals for hockey talk fucking wars Hell I, I keep mine chest of drawers.